whenever my name is mentioned along with Eric Mounts, it started with, and now, from Cleveland Baptist Christian School, six foot two, 185 pounds, number 31, Drew Baker. And then it was, now, introducing, from Greenan, Ohio, number 33, Eric Mount, right? That's what I'm used to with Eric. We were teammates, we were roommates, living together and experiencing life together. What a great privilege it is for me to be here. What a great privilege it is for you to have him as your pastor. The contrast in how it is for high school and church is, is quite dramatic. This morning I was in the first service, and in the first service we were making connections. You know, I remember with Pastor Graham, we had connections. Uh, Pastor Graham came into my life in 1967. So we were making those kinds of connections, and we're rejoicing, and it's happy. It's not like that in high school. In high school, I have a group. They're called my Connection Bell. We meet for 40 minutes a day. We eat lunch together and hang out. And so we have a variety of conversations. And one time, one of the students said, hey, I had Mrs. Bowen for eighth grade English. And I said, Mrs. Bowen was one of my students. And instead of saying, wow, that's cool, that's great, the student said, really, Mr. Baker? What are you, 100? <laughs> it's quite different. The other thing that's different is there's a lot of why when it comes to high school. Why are we studying this? Why are we doing this? Why do we have to do this? I mean, honestly, I was so thankful that this is the first time in several opportunities where I have walked in front of a crowd and they haven't booed me. You know, you know, I mean, I, I walk up in front of my students and I turn on my PowerPoint like, oh, so thank you for the welcome. The why is something we, we oftentimes struggle with. Why? Uh, this morning, we are asking the question, why do we need Jesus in the room? Why do we need Jesus in the room? Some of you have been behind closed doors isolated. Some of you have uh, been behind closed doors fearful of what is happening next. Some of you have been in your home with confusion reigning. Some of you have grief in your hearts. Some of you are struggling with an uncertainty of your future. This morning, we want to address and answer the question, why we need Jesus in the room so that those things are taken care of. The fear, the isolation, the confusion, the grief, Jesus in the room helps us with that. So this morning we're going to give you three reasons why we need Jesus in the room. Three reasons why we need Jesus in the room. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. Beginning in verse 19, we find out the first reason we need Jesus in the room is because of our panic. Because of our panic. Notice what it says. It says, then the same day at evening. We have seen what happened during the day with Mary at the tomb. And now that night, we are at a place where we are going to understand that panic is the watchword. Panic is the key word. It says in verse 19, the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled. They were shut to keep people out. 
do you think they were reminiscing about Jesus? Do you think they were talking about, yeah, I remember the woman at the well? Do you think they were talking about the time that Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water? Do you think they were reminiscing about Lazarus and the resurrection of Lazarus? I don't think they were. I think instead they were consumed with the reality we will never see Jesus again. He's dead. He's our leader. He is gone. Uh, the doors were locked. They were barred. Or as we would say, they were padlocked from the inside. Sorry about this. We don't have this in my classroom. The doors were locked. Have you ever tried to keep somebody out because you've been afraid? Locking a door to prevent access into your presence, trying to keep somebody away, that's what's happening with these disciples. They are frightened. They are fearful. This is where they are for fear of the Jews. It says right there in the text. Their master had been executed as a criminal. They could be next. Uh, the news of the empty tomb has already begun to spread. And if the tomb is empty, there's probably only one reason it's empty, and that's because the disciples have taken the body. So that rumor is going. And so you remember that whoever uh, breaks the seal on the stone and does anything, they're then sentenced the same way this person had died. So these disciples are hidden away, panicked, stricken because of their experience. Think about Peter. Peter was in despair, shame, panic. His mind is only reflecting back on the, his own words when he said to Jesus, I'll, I, I, listen, these other guys might forsake you, but I'm not going to. But he did. He ran. He was panic-filled because of his betrayal, his denial. And now he's hiding. He's hiding. Uh, these disciples are in a mess. They are full of all the things we have mentioned. They're feeling isolated, fearful, confused, filled with grief, uncertainty. And think about it. These are people without the risen Christ. Do you get that? Without Christ, your life has these things in it. And then when Christ comes, it makes a difference. And please notice, too, this group has nothing to offer. They have no vision, no energy. They have really no courage, no conviction. They're panicked. They're stricken with fear. What do they have to offer? Remember, too, we listened as... Eric read the passage that Jesus had told Mary, go and tell the disciples, you've seen me and that I'm alive and that I'm going to my father and I'm coming back. Why weren't they believing that? Why weren't they believing Mary? They weren't listening to her. Uh, they should have no panic because Mary told them that Jesus is alive. And so in an accusatory way, we want to say, why don't you believe? Why don't you believe? And then, of course, we have to consider, why don't we believe? 
Why don't we believe the words of God and what he has spoken to us? What about you this morning? Have you heard the message that Jesus Christ is alive and chosen to ignore it? Have you aligned yourself in the camp of the disciples and said, you know what? A woman told us. Remember the culture at the time. A woman's testimony did not count in court. But yet Jesus decides to go to a woman first and tell her that he is alive. And she goes to the disciples and perhaps they're hubris, their pride, we can't believe a woman. Is that what's preventing you from believing? Are you being kept from believing because of your own hubris and pride that says, I need a better messenger than the one that I have heard from? Jesus is in the room because of our panic, because of our panic. Uh, you see, we want to meet Jesus at our best. We want him to help us to improve us. We want him to meet us when we are at our most diligent and clean and happy and all of that. But you see, Jesus doesn't want to come and improve you. Jesus wants to come and rescue you. Jesus wants to come and save you from the panic that is yours, the panic that fills your heart, the isolation, the fears, the confusion, the grief, the wonder, the uncertainty. There is panic in the room. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. Why we need Jesus in the room, the first reason is because of our panic. The second reason is because of his peace. Is because of his peace. Uh, notice what it says. They were locked down, but Jesus could not be locked out. It says in verse 19, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, he showed up. He walked through the locked, barred doors. Remember the tomb, the description there of the, the cloth that was lying perfectly? It looked as though they had just stepped out of the cloth. And then Jesus folded the napkin that was on his head and placed it down. Everything was pristine. So he had just kind of gone through the cloth. Now he just kind of goes through doors. And he stood there with them. He stood among them in their midst. He came and stood relentlessly pursuing them in their panic. With nothing to offer, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. He's relentless. He's relentless in his love for you. I must confess to you that the last time that I came here, I took a little bit of a beating after the service from some of you. You expressed disappointment in me and my message because you had this sense that, okay, here's our chance. We've got Eric Mounts' roommate. He's going to tell us something about Eric. And, of course, I didn't. Well, guess what? I'm going to make up for it now. <laughs> this idea of relentlessness, that's your pastor. He is the personification of relentlessness. When we were in college, we used to go to this place called Ponderosa. Have you heard of that place? I don't think, is it anymore? Is there even, it's not even around anymore. I think we ate them out. I think that's what happened. <laughs> and we were going through the line at a Ponderosa. And Eric and I were roommates. We, we roomed on the road. We sat next together on the bus. We, we did, we were always together. And so we're in line going through. And they're handing, uh, dipping the salad. And Eric says, I want onions. I'm like, whoa, before a game? And he goes, yeah. 
He says, I'm going to eat these onions and I'm going to breathe on whoever's guarding me. And they're going to be sorry for that. He is a relentless competitor. On the court, when there were guys that would start out all fired up, they would be ground into the ground by the end. Remember, there was no three-point line. So he would work from the inside out. He would beat them up inside. They'd get tired of guarding him. And then he'd go outside, and they were afraid to go after him and afraid he'd hit him again. He was relentless as an athlete. That's on the court. Off the court, same thing. He did not win the Cedarville University homecoming queen and captain of the cheerleading squad. He did not win her. He wore her down. <laughs> In love, pursuing her relentlessly until she finally said, I'm yours. Personification of relentlessness is your pastor. The personification of relentlessness is Jesus Christ who pursues you in spite of where you are and how you are. And if the panic in your life seems to be up here, he's coming. He's coming to bring his peace. He's going to be with you. He's going to do what he does for his disciples. He, he showed up and he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. He comes to them with their multiple fears and anxieties. He comes among them and finds them. It's what he's doing right now. Jesus Christ is here. He is showing up. He is here. He knows about your anxiety about money. He knows about your anxiety about your health. He knows about your anxiety about your future. He knows about you worrying about your own image and reputation. He knows about those things. And he's here. And he's here. And he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Darkness had settled on the disciples. And Jesus comes with the Semitic greeting, shalom. He says, peace. They are full of panic and fear and unknown, and, and the unknown grips them. And he says, peace. Because that's what they needed. That's what they needed. Now, uh, this pandemic has been incredible. We know that COVID-19 has been around and we've all experienced different things. I remember when it first happened, I started getting emails and texts and I even got a 10 minute video telling me to hang in there. You got this. That did nothing for me, frankly. I got a little irritated. I wanted someone to say, it's going to be okay. Peace peace. I wanted leadership to come and stand next to me and say, I'm here for you. That's what Jesus does. Uh, Jesus knows exactly what we need in our panic. He comes in, uh, the door's locked down, and he says, peace, peace. Uh, wouldn't you have been tempted to walk in and say, what are you doing? Mary told you I'm alive. Why didn't you believe me? Why didn't you believe her? That would have been the temptation I would have had. But you see, I did not understand or do not understand fully what's happening with the disciples. Jesus does. Jesus knows exactly what it is that you are experiencing. 
Jesus knows exactly what it is that you need for him to come in and say, peace, peace. The interesting thing is, he, he showed them his hands and his side. Did you read that? He showed them his hands and his sides. Luke adds later, being the good doctor, he wants to get all of the body parts in, and his feet. So what he was doing was he proved to them that he is the crucified one. Right? That's the signs of crucifixion, the nails. But he says, I'm not just a crucified one. I am your crucified one. And he lifts and shows them the scar in his side and identifies himself as their savior and redeemer. Not just a crucified one, but your crucified one. Remember, uh, they were, the habit of those that were hanged on the crosses, they were to get their legs broken and speed the dying. But Jesus was already dead, and so uh, a centurion, for good measure, took his spear and stabbed Jesus, and he bled for you, for me. And so when Jesus says, peace, <laughs> he says, it's me. It's me. I'm the one who's redeemed you with my blood, and I'm here for you. Notice what happens with the disciples. Uh, he showed up. He fills their emptiness. He settles them down. He reminds them, I'm not a ghost. Later accounts, he'll eat with them to prove that he's not. And then the disciples, do you see what happens with the disciples? The disciples, they were glad. Incredible joy follows the peace of Jesus Christ. Uh, these ones who were so full of panic are now experiencing peace and joy because Jesus showed up. These disciples are not entertaining an idea. They are embracing a person. Jesus Christ is alive, and they are embracing him. And the reality of his presence creates joy for them. Joy. Jesus is alive. Joy, not solely to the relief that he's no longer dead, but to the knowledge they now have their Savior. Because it's all going to start clicking in here, isn't it? It's going to all start figuring, this is it. This is what he's been talking about. Now we've got it. We can see it. We can understand it. And he says, peace, peace, when they saw the Lord. Have you ever seen somebody arrive that you thought was missing? When I was in junior high, we used to do these things called winter retreats. I know that's pejorative now. You're not supposed to retreat. We're all progressing. But we used to do these things. And my mom went to play the piano for the singing. We had two bus loads. And as we were leaving, it started to snow. And I was in the bus in the front. And this was before seat belts and all the regulations. And so everyone had put their sleeping bags and suitcases in the back of the bus. And I had crawled up on that and fallen asleep. And we're driving. And the other bus is following us. And I'm driving along. And all of a sudden, we kind of stop, and it's kind of an awkward feel. And I look up, and I rub the frost off the back window, and the bus behind us that my mom is in is overturned. And junior high me ratchets up immediately. What in the world has happened? By the time I had 
gotten fully enough awake and crawled over the suitcases and gotten into the aisle, my mom came walking up the steps of the bus into the aisle. And I know junior high guys, we don't do this, but I ran and hugged my mother. <laughs> I was so relieved. Can you understand the disciples' relief? Can you understand the peace, the joy that fills them because of, of, of a panic-stricken situation that they have brought on themselves, if you are real honest about it, and now there's Jesus alive. Why do we need Jesus in the room? We need Jesus in the room because he brings peace. He brings peace. I don't know about you, but for me, I would rather do without the panic. I would rather not feel isolated and fearful and wondering and uncertain. I would rather do without that. But you know, the Apostle Paul reminds us why those things happen. If you have your Bibles, you can look at 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. If not, I'll just read it. Paul says this, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. That's a, that's a legal term. He's saying we believe that we have been targeted by someone that they're going to kill us. That's how bad things were. And then he says, but that, the sentence of death, was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Do you know why we have to go through the panic? We have to go through the panic so that we look for the peace. We have to go through the panic so that we can experience. Paul says to make us, to persuade us. You see, Paul was trying to figure it out on his own. But as the sentence of death bears down upon him, he says, no, I need to rely on God who raises the dead. To rely, to trust. Paul is writing in such a way that he is saying, we were relying on ourselves, and whatever it is that happened in Asia, now I'm relying on God. We go through the panic so that we can experience the peace. My wife and I, we live in uh, Mason, Ohio, which is about a mile and a half from Kings Island. I've been to Kings Island hundreds of times, hundreds. We had season passes. I had two sons. I've been to Kings Island. So I am not an expert, but I am experienced. And let me give you a little tip about going to Kings Island. Don't take small children. <laughs> you say, why? They get tired. They get worn out. And who has to carry them? Dad. I would be 6'7 or 6'8 if it weren't for the amount of weight that I've carried on my shoulders over the past 20 years. But the beauty of that is I am reminded of the father-son relationship and how the son relies on the father. And that's what Jesus does for us. He wants us to understand that we are his children and we need to rely on him. And so panic happens. Panic happens. Some of you are perhaps familiar with a woman by the name of Johnny Erickson. Johnny Erickson is a quadriplegic who at the age of 18 dove into the water, broke her neck, and has been paralyzed since. She's 71 or 72 years old. When you become paralyzed, that creates panic. But notice what she says. She says this. She says, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. 
That's peace. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Now, remember, too, what Paul said. Paul said that we might rely on God. And did you notice the credential? Credentials are important in 21st century America. In my realm, education, we talk about BAs, MAs, BS, MS, PhDs, and all that, right? That's their credential. How about this for a credential? God who raises the dead. (laughs) How do you trump that? Oh, wait, am I allowed to say Trump? (laughs) Right? I mean, how 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 do you jump that? How do you get to the place where you, you, you say, you know what, I think I'm going to take my business elsewhere. God who raises the dead. He is the one that brings peace. Why do we need Jesus in the room? Because of our panic and because Jesus brings peace. I'm going through what I'm going through so that I realize that I need God. The disciples are our example. Reason number three, why I need Jesus in the room. Because Jesus brings purpose. Jesus brings purpose. Notice what happens in verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He says, peace be with you again. Verse 19, I think it's just a simple peace. Semitic greeting, shalom. I think in Verse 21, it begins to weigh heavily on them the reality of what he's saying. He's saying peace. Partly, they're so excited. You know, calm down. Just keep it quiet. Keep calm. But I think even more so that it's the peace that he talked about. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I'm bringing the peace that I have for you. And here's the peace that he's bringing. He's bringing the peace that allows us access into the presence of God. It is a redemptive peace. It is a regenerative peace. It is a peace that changes us. That gives us purpose. And he's going to explain that better here in just a moment. He says, there is gladness that he is not dead, but there is also gladness in that he is reconciling us. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Peace. Remember, we are at odds with God because of our sin. And so we need someone that's going to bring us back. It's going to allow us to experience that peace. And Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died for our sins. He rose again. And now he can say, peace, peace. You and God are good. Romans chapter 5, remember what he says, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Much of the panic and the isolation and the fear and the uncertainty that fills us is because of the unknown, the uncertainty. God, what do you think of me? I'll tell you what he thinks of you. He thinks that you need his son, Jesus Christ, to bring you near to him so that you can access all of the marvelous things that God has for you. 
the purpose, the purpose. We need Jesus because he brings purpose to us. It is the peace of reconciliation. It's also the peace that he talks about in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So tribulations are, he's not saying, listen, come join me and be a part of me and you'll have no more troubles. He's not saying that. He's saying, but remember, I have overcome the world, so you're good. So come and be with me. Peace. We need Jesus in the room because he gives us peace and he gives us purpose. You see, now I'm not worrying about, I'm not, I'm not concerned about those things that are holding me back. Instead, I am moving forward with a purpose of what God has for me. The disciples are doing nothing especially religious here. Did you notice that? They're not praying. They're not worshiping. Jesus shows up anyway. This morning, some of you are saying, you know what? I'm not a religious person. I don't, I don't know how to pray. Listen, all you have to do is be ready because here he comes. Jesus is coming. He wants to bring peace to your life. Won't you trust him this morning? Won't you trust him this morning as your Savior? He will bring peace and he will bring purpose into your life. Jesus has come to them and brought them peace and purpose. What better things can he give when I'm filled with panic? Do you remember at the beginning of the pandemic? For me, they told us at first, you're going home for two weeks, we'll see you in two weeks. Then two weeks became, oh, maybe we'll see you in May. Schools are shut down, everything's closed down. And the thing that drove me crazy was the purposelessness. What do I do now? Where am I going to go? What? Right? It was just, and I had never done remote learning before. And you know what I learned about remote learning? I have a face for radio. That's what I found out. <laughs> My students, they were great. They really were. They had to put up with a lot. But it was so funny how, they would say, wow, Mr. Baker, can you step back from the camera? <laughs> but that was part of the problem. The perp- what am I doing with this? And that's what happens with our lives. We are filled with these things because of a purposelessness. And Jesus comes in and he says, I've got a purpose for you. I've got a purpose for you. He says, the Father sent his Son, and so I send you. As the Father sent me, So I'm sending you. Now remember, this is very simple. Do you know why Jesus was sent into the world? Some people think that it was an economic thing, right? Remember the people at the feeding of the 5,000? They thought, wow, this is awesome. We've got a king now and a leader who can make food come out of nothing. So that's the guy we want to follow. He's not here about economically. He's here about seeking and saving the lost. You say, no, wait, that's way too simplistic. It's not. It's profound. You know why it's profound? Because instead of just giving you something to eat that will get you through today, he's giving you something to eat that will take you through eternity. Jesus Christ gives you purpose. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. He was sent to seek and to save the lost. As the Father hath sent me, so send I you. Now think about these guys that we're talking about that Jesus is talking to. He's talking to these guys who are hiding, who were filled with panic. 
You say, couldn't he have picked a better group? I hope you're not thinking, I wish Pastor Mounts could have picked a better replacement. <laughs> but right? Sometimes we question that. But then we go with what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. At the end of it, he says this, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, he chooses us, not because of what we have, but because of what he has for us. Jesus is in the room to give us peace and purpose amidst all of the panic that grips our hearts. I love endorsements, don't you? It helps me make better decisions. You just recently had Erwin Lutzer here speaking. I, I drove with my mom to Chicago. My mom loves Erwin Lutzer. I listened to Erwin Lutzer on the radio. Do you know why my mom and I love Erwin Lutzer? Because Dr. Wiersbe said, that guy's good. <laughs> that was a great endorsement. And as a result of that endorsement, a lifetime of blessing. Do you see what is happening here? There is an endorsement that's happening right now. The endorsement is, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. You have purpose. You should have confidence that you have the endorsement of Jesus Christ to do what it is that he wants you to do. The panic is removed, and the peace comes in. I, I listened to Dr. Lutzer uh, as he spoke to you, how hilarious was it when he talked about how cold it was in Chicago, that the politicians had their hands in their own pockets? That was hilarious. And then he spoke so marvelously and glowingly of this church and its missions and all that's doing. What a beautiful compliment to you and to your pastor. But this morning, as we look at this and say, as the Father hath sent me, so send I you, What about Covington? What about Latonia? What about Cincinnati? What about your own living room? As the Father hath sent you, so send I you. What's it like in your own living room? Are you living out the purpose of God in your own living room? Are you living out the purpose of God, allowing the peace of God to fill you? The peace of God. Think about that. You have experienced peace. Now, what is it like when you walk into someone's presence? I was in a classroom, several teachers. At the end of the day, we were talking, and the door opens, and a teacher walked in, and it was as though someone pulled every ounce of air out of the room. Everyone just stood there, no talking, because this person... Not about peace. It's about sowing discord. What are you like? When people see you approaching them, are they thinking, we can do this, we can do this? <laughs> do you bring peace? Uh, think about, too, we, we talk about, 
as the Father hath sent me, so send I you. It is a gospel message. There's no doubt about it. But are you making your message savory? Are you making your message so that people are saying, yes, I want to hear from you? Think about just the part of showing up. That's what Jesus did. He just showed up and changed everything. Are you willing to just show up? uh, I've already alluded, I have two sons. I I love being a father. I'm not very good at it. But one thing I can do is show up. To whatever it is they do, I can show up. Think about that message. Can you bring peace? Can you bring change with your presence? Are you showing up to do what is necessary and what God wants you to do? Peace, purpose, comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus, entering the room. As I mentioned, we talked in the first service about David Graham. One of my first memories of Pastor Graham was at a Christmas program. And it was a Christmas program across all grades. So I'm sitting in a little wooden chair. I was in second grade, probably, maybe third grade. And the high school choir is up on risers. Do you remember risers? You don't have them. They were kind of more narrow at that time. And you had to kind of balance on them. So you've got the choir up on the risers. And then you've got a a woman who is from one of the local churches. And she's singing at the Christmas program. And she's singing O Holy Night. And the room is really warm. And, you know, the little kids were all bouncing around in the back on our little chairs. And you can just see, it's almost like you can see the heat. It was so warm. And on the back row, there was this one student. His name was Rick Byron, and you could see him. He was doing this. And Mrs. Cochran began to sing A Holy Night. And when she hit that high note, Rick Byron went down. (laughs) What do we do now? Panic, chaos, right? No. Dave Graham. Dave Graham, you see him get up goes behind the risers, hear a little bit of a shuffling. All of a sudden, you see going across the back, Dave Graham, fire, fireman carry. He's got Rick Byron, takes Rick Byron out. And you know what? Peace. <laughs> Peace. This morning, amidst the panic of your own life, we need Jesus in the room because he brings peace and purpose. Won't you trust him today? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the gift of your word that reminds us of what he has done for us and what he will do for us. Father, we just pray that you would take the words of your scripture and allow those words to fill our minds and help us reach an understanding using your spirit to apply them to our hearts so that we can experience peace and purpose. God help us. In Jesus' name.